Hey, Blaine from DTC Pod here, and today we've got two amazing AI tools for you guys to check out. So AI is obviously eating the world, and these two by HubSpot, where you're really gonna love. So the first one's called Content Assistant. Basically helps you create amazing content, which matters more today than ever. Everyone's creating content, so you've gotta stand out. Um, with HubSpot's AI-powered Content Assistant, you can brainstorm, create, and share content of Flash, all inside a super easy to use CRM. So, you know, think things like, brainstorming blog ideas, blog outlines, drafting copy on any topic from marketing trends to media kits or writing value props for your landing pages, prospecting emails and more. Uh, the second one is ChatSpot, which is basically a conversational bot that sits on top of your HubSpot CRM. So it's gonna automate all the manual tasks inside of HubSpot, help you engage more customers, close more deals and scale a little bit faster. Um, so if you want to find out more about how to use AI to grow your business, check out hubspot.com slash artificial dash intelligence. As a D2C brand, you need real-time financial visibility to save money and make better decisions. Waiting for books from slow and expensive bookkeepers that don't get e-commerce is slowing you down. Trusted by hundreds of brands, Finaloop is a real-time accounting service built by D2C founders for D2C founders. Try Final Loop completely free, no credit card required. Just visit finalloop.com slash d2cpod and get 14 days free and a two-month PL within 24 hours with all the e-com data and breakdowns you need to crush it. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we're joined by Paul Jarrett, who is the co-founder and CEO of Bulu, um, or you can find him at bulugroup.com. So Paul, uh, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal background and what you guys are building at Bulu? Well, first of all, buckle up. We ready? Let's let's have some fun. And also, anybody listening to my voice right now, thank you. I appreciate it. So uh, a little bit about Bulu. Uh, let me keep it simple. Uh, we say we do the tricky ship. That is a playoff of shit. Uh, so the tricky ship. And really the way that we view that and what we do is we really focus on unlocking a brand's potential through logistics because frankly, um, we started with a subscription box and we grew to 40,000, 60, we sold 40,000 overnight of these subscription boxes one time. And after crushing a few 3PLs, like literally imploding them, we were like, we have to figure this out. And as much as we've waited for a company to come along and handle the tricky ship, right? Which is like subscription, subscription returns, retail. Um, it just hasn't really happened. So that's what we're focused on. And we worked with like really great brands like Disney, American Express, you know, the ones that you show to impress people. But I would say that people are shocked when we work with companies that have no minimums, because at the end of the day, if we believe in a product and we believe in the founders and they have growth on their mind, that's who we want. If you want to cut a couple pennies off a shipping bill, don't call us. How about that? How's that work? I love it. I love it. So let's let's kind of get into it. So I, I know you mentioned that you've been working in this space for a while, but why don't you tell me about that first company and what those challenges were, how you drummed up that much demand and, and what you started to learn from it? Yeah, I would say that really, so I, I started in the ad agency world. Uh, worked in New York City, you know, the big BBDOs, Gray Worldwide, did the San Francisco thing by choice. I wasn't excommunicated from New York. We just wanted to check out San Francisco and caught on to this whole like startup thing, which I totally thought was a scam. I grew up in a trailer park in Nebraska and somebody giving you a million dollars 
if you don't pay that back, your El Camino gets towed or your Bonavia single wide gets towed. So I thought I was getting into like some shady stuff, right? The dudes that I was talking to sold their company to eBay and I was like, hold up, <laughs> tell me what you just did because that was fast and you're all rich. So totally enamored by that world. Um, we put a deck together. Um, I happened to be, I thought he was a sales rep. So there was a guy named Brian Distelberger. He owns Yext, Y-E-X-T.com. And um, he, God bless him, he took me under his wing and really just kind of showed me the ropes and we raised capital. And I would say that the thing, importantly, the thing that gave me the confidence to do that was I was at a company called Complete Nutrition and we went from three to 83 million in sales in less than two years. And think of a high-end GNC vitamin supplement franchise um, we manufactured, we created, I, I did over a hundred different products, design stores. It was literally like, Hey, Paul's dumb enough. He's 26. He'll try it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, take photos of the gap, try to ask them what they're doing with their store, copy it. You know, it was like total hacky, which is really kind of everything. Right. Um, and that growth in understanding manufacturing, the problem that we learned was, um, sample packets, samples in stores are like one of the top ways to convert people to your product. However, nobody was tracking that right correctly. And so we set off to create something that would track samples. We stumbled upon Birchbox. I was like, Ooh, that's good. I knew that vitamins and supplements are actually a fast follower to makeup. So if it's coconut oil and makeup, it's going to be coconut water, coconut, everything else and vitamins and supplements. And then pets are next, just so y'all know. Um, and so I knew how to go to retail stores and see what was selling in makeup and then kind of translate that into vitamins and supplements. Right. And we saw the subscription box model. And what I saw was an incredible platform to collect data on sampling screw everything else, which was awesome when you're trying to sell something for a different reason than make a dollar because you just view it differently, right? And that took off. I would say that our biggest problem that we didn't realize till probably like four or five years in was we were, we didn't think we were losing our ass, but we were losing our ass in fulfillment, logistics, et cetera. I think we did phenomenal in a lot of areas, but we just should have negotiated a little bit better, you know, just like little thing, the nuance of it, right? We, we knew what we were selling was subscription. We should have been negotiating on the future of the company, not on the current day sales, right? So like little weird things like that. And, um, we ended up building a software platform. It's called Bulu marketplace. It's been acquired. It's called rangeme.com, um, linkedin.com for consumer package goods is really what the concept was. So Arrange Me is still alive and well. I'm still kind of loosely part of it. And um, after the sale of that, we had the subscription box that was selling like crazy, but we're losing a buck every time we sell it, which I think was awesome because we were getting the data, but just didn't satisfy the venture capitalist appetite. And um, so we kind of shut up and listened. And what we heard was a lot of big brands want this. So we started doing subscription boxes for big brands and we're, we're good and we're fast and we, there's no BS with us. And 
once you crank the dial on one or two big brands, they all kind of line up. Um, pandemic hits and we go, let's just do this straight fulfillment thing. Um, let's, you know, this subscription box thing is good, but it's weird in this pandemic and people are kicking down our door for fulfillment. And what I tell people is we just got done with not even got done. I'd say about a year ago, we finally looked up and went, okay, that was a crash course in high-speed fulfillment, 80% new staff, four new WMSs, which is insane, um, rebuilt 120,000 square foot warehouse all in an eight-month period. And I say that what we're doing now, sure, fulfillment, but what we know now is how to unlock a brand's potential. So somebody might come to us and we see what they're doing and they're just thinking, how do I save a buck? How do I save a buck? And we go, why aren't you doing a three month gift of this? Because based on our data, that's the number one sales uh, item that you don't know that you already have. And so that's what we're doing. And it's been really fun. We're, uh, you know, we're going to have some big announcements um, where we're going to be in control of a hundred percent of the company. I think I can say that we'll find out. <laughs> um, and now we're just really focused on finding those clients. And so many times what that means is we're getting involved in the manufacturing process. And when you're in Nebraska, there's a lot of manufacturing around here. And man, you get that one pound of flour, you know, a couple pennies cheaper. You get that label, a couple pennies cheaper. That adds up quick. And that's really fun for us to work a lot with other entrepreneurs Sure, we'll do the big brand thing. They pay the bills. They pave the road for how we do things for everybody else. But to essentially offer that to small, medium-sized people that haven't shipped a thing, that's been super fulfilling. And I think that's that's just what we're going to do. We're not going to chase the billion-dollar company. It's fun to be in control and make your own money. So, so tell me a little bit about that, right? Like, you said that there's a lot that goes into the fulfillment process, right? Why don't you tell me what some of those challenges are for a brand that may be looking to start? What are the options? How do they start? Because when, you know, for our listeners, there's everyone from brands that are totally scaled that are looking to, you know, place massive POs and fulfill out of massive scale to people who are like starting a business out of their kitchen or their backyard trying to say, okay, you know, where do I even start, right? So why don't why don't we start there? For a brand that's like just getting set up, what do they need to know about fulfillment, about delivering a product to a customer? Let's just start super basic. Um, so I'm I'm the dude that says the stuff that nobody else wants to hear, but it's true. Um, I'll, I'll say what everybody probably feels, thinks, whatever. Most 3PLs are trying to screw you, right? Like most of them aren't thinking beyond um, the sales reps commission. I mean, let's just fucking call it how it is already. I'm so tired of it. Right. So like, here's, here's what you should know. How do you drive the price down of shipping? There's really two, two three ways, really. Um, number one is, is volume, right? But you also need to understand what volume and, and how to do that. So making sure that you have a product and trying to keep the product similar weights so you can get really good at that, I think is paramount in the beginning, right? Like just try to keep everything under two pounds. Just do your best. That That's an easy way to look at it. If you go big, go over 10 pounds, right? And try to identify the carriers. Because if you're all over the map, it gets really hard. Um, I'm, 
I understand dropship. I think there's a place for it, but I also think that you will be so much better learning logistics um, inside and out. The second thing, so we got volume. The second thing I would say is you are, I, I, I get ship station, pirate ship, I know all those fools. Like I've talked to them all, right? Um, here's the thing. Nothing will beat in talking to reps face-to-face and arm wrestling them for their commission. I don't encourage people to like try to take all of the commission, but I try to encourage people to understand what their goals are, when their goals are, and make sure it's firm and fair. And if you can sell the dream to the carrier and they can see the potential, that's probably the best way to get really good rates. And you want to do all the other things, but you get in tight with like a UPS person or a FedEx person and you get on that personal level. I don't care what anybody says. You can't, you can't beat it because they will also tell you things before anybody in the market knows, right? The third thing is you need to be able to predict how many trucks that you're going to need. That's really, really difficult. I am all about subscription. Give me any website, any company, any industry, and I can tell you why and what they should have on subscription. But I think the term is actually going to more become auto-renew because Chewy has kind of put their stamp on that. And I've already seen auto-renew being the phrase. So um, let's just go with that, auto-renew. But if you can start to understand, and I would say this is one of our big unique things, is we understand how many FedEx trucks we're going to need and when. We understand UPS. How do we know that? The majority of our products are on auto right now. So we are negotiating on our client's behalf way into the future because we say, screw you, UPS. Yeah, you heard me, UPS. Um, screw you, FedEx. You too. DHL, don't talk to me. Um, we are going to bring those people in and sit them down and present to them the metrics and the math of where we're going to get brands to where we believe they can be. And that's the price we want one year, two year, three years from now based on data. And I just haven't heard of a lot of other 3PLs doing that. Everybody will tell you, oh, we use ShipStation. We use this. We use it. Sure. We use them all too. Like cool story. Um, what do they not do? Bring in the reps from, you know, post office from wherever once a month and, you know, keep it real with them. Right. Um, I would say that if I wish I could, if I wish I had a time machine and I could go back and tell myself what to do, I would say, um, go tour as many local three PLs as possible and play the whole poor me. I'm starting. Tell me because they will, you know, they will talk to you. Um, I think any brand of any size can use a three PL. I do think it's good to do it yourself in the beginning. But by just merely getting on the floor and seeing what's happening and understanding just that there's human beings sweating, putting blood, sweat, and tears, getting that thing out, you will think about it different when really what you'll see or should see is you are trying to keep as many footsteps and hand touches down as possible, right? So if you have stuff coming in at different times, you have stickers that need to be applied, whatever, your price is going to go through the roof. If all they have to do is grab the thing, hit the barcode and go out, then you know how to negotiate, how to talk to the people. And if you just go to three and you try to remain some sort of relationship with those people, nobody wants to talk to a 3PL. Nobody wants to be friends with a logistics person. I love it, right? Um, But... 
there's some power in there because they're the last place that's thought about. And I, like I said, I, I feel like if you can unlock that and unlock your potential and you just get that call from that 3PL, it's like, hey, there's this thing that one brand was going to do, but they backed out. Like, do you, can you put your product here and can you do this thing X, Y, Z and help them out or whatever? That's where the magic always we see happens for our clients. Yeah. And I, I think what's so interesting about this space is the fact that at the end of the day, a lot of direct to consumer brands that are in the e-commerce space, so much of the margin and so much of it really comes down to your unit economics and your supply chain, right? A lot of people start, they set out and they want to build a brand and they want to build an amazing product that changes the world. But at the end of the day, if you can't get it shipped and delivered for a number that makes the business money, you know, it's kind of like, what are you doing? So the next question I have is let's go back to a lot of, let's think about those people who are starting up, they're starting a brand from scratch, right? You said it's good for you to, you know, talk to some 3PLs, maybe, maybe handle it in the beginning yourself. At what stage, like in terms of volume, does it make sense to, you know, onboard with a 3PL? Like what is your, what is your smallest client? But also let's talk about 3PLs in general. At what stage and scale do 3PLs start to say, okay, you know, it's time to move this from an in-house, like this is a cute sort of operation to like, you know, get a 3PL. Yeah. So probably if you pulled a bunch of industry people, they'd probably say like, oh, 2,500 or a month or 5,000 a month or something like that. Um, the reality is the same way technology is changing just so fast every day. Um, there's three PLs that are taking leaps, but there's very few of them. And so like the industry is a little bit of mayhem right now, right? Um, we're watching the, uh, I'm coining the phrase pandemic PLs, you know, ship Bob, ship, ship, whatever the ship they are. Right. Uh, I'll call them out. I don't, I, whatever, because I think they're a great fit for some companies but I think it's a kiss of death for some companies. So it just really depends. Um, so like, I think that we have people that are doing zero. We have plenty of people that are doing zero. And some of those people I've worked with before and they're at big brands and they're just coming to us. But, you know, there's a brand called Paracana that was um, gummy mix for THC and CBD, but it didn't have any of that mix. It was super interesting the Ralph awesome dude at everything ready, but kind of packaging and distribution. We're like, Oh, whoa, this is interesting. We can help. It's a little bit of a gamble. Uh, last time I checked, he's selling on like 52 boutique CBD places. And it's just so awesome after a year of just trying to get a few levers pulled to watch him do that. So, um, you know, you can start at zero or, or whatever is my point there. I would say that, um, we want to talk to people ourselves as early on as we can because we want to guide them where to go. Nine out of 10 times, it's not us, right? Um, but what I would say is if it were me, I would make the decision early on, am I going to focus on the brand or am I going to focus on the logistics, right? Here's the rub to that. Most e-commerce companies don't realize that they're actually a logistics company. And you're kind of like touching on that before, right? Um, when you're getting stuck and when something isn't working and the money isn't there, it's at the warehouse. It's like a curb your enthusiasm. It's in the banana stand. It's in the warehouse, right? Um, that is something that I wish I knew and I wish I could tell people. And so, you know, focus on if it were me and I were starting, I would probably put 
the distribution in 3PL, honestly, is probably number one because it's a big moving beast. You need to learn a lot. You need to find somebody that you can trust. And if you commit, you should commit with that 3PL to a level where you say, when we get the size that we are, we both need to have an agreement that you're going to help me find the next place, right? And if they look at you cross-eyed, they're like, no, we're going to grow with you. Like, wave your bullshit flag, right? Because they're just probably not built for it. Now, here is what I have seen. There is something about the magical number of 10,000 a month where customer service, whatever, it really starts to seep in and really become hard. And usually people right around that 10,000 mark, they're like, kind of feel like they're gunning to find a fulfillment company. And if you get to that 14,000 a month in sale, 14,000 units per month in sales, for some reason, that is like always the breaking point. I don't know why. I have nothing other than hundreds and hundreds of conversations. But if I had a bubble word cloud of like, when do people want to just jump off a cliff and regret no matter how much money they're making, you know, all the issues are overwhelming and they're actually starting to lose money and piss off customers. Something about that 14,000 shipments a month is just so hard to pull off with even a, a lot of people because it's that inflection point of, are we going to focus on the brand and the distribution and the whatever, or are we going to get really great at logistics and probably let the brand suffer a little bit? So I would say we'll work with people at zero if we believe in it. Um, fulfillment companies locally will do that. And I think that's okay. Just know when the time is to go. I think the industry is going to say 2,500 to 5,000. I don't know. Um, but what I do know is 10,000 a month, you really start feeling it. And 14,000 a month, you question your existence. We are really excited to announce that DTC Pod is officially part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals. And we're really excited about being part of the network because we're going to be able to keep growing the show, bringing you guys amazing guests, and obviously helping you guys learn from the best founders, marketers, and builders of the most successful consumer brands. So anyway, keep listening to DTC Pod and more shows like us on the HubSpot Podcast Network at hubspot.com slash podcast network. Yeah, that, that's super interesting because like that, that number, that's when you're at what, like somewhere between 300 to 500 orders a day where you know, stuff's coming in and through that, you're going to have all sorts of questions because you're going to have X amount of, you know, inevitable product breakage, like in terms of delivery, it's just an odds, it's an odds game, right? And then you're going to have customers who are upset for a reason that's like totally outside of your control or the communication. So I think it, it does, it, it definitely does make sense. If you're a small business and you're starting to scale, that's when you're going to start to feel, you're going to start to feel that, that scale. Um, so why don't you talk to me a little bit about the other side of what goes into the stuff that not only you guys do, but what an, what a you know D2C or e-commerce founder needs to be thinking about when it comes to yeah. IPL and fulfillment, right? Like, yeah. So there's the physical act of shipping, but like you've got packaging somewhere there in the mix. There's like the assembly component, making sure it's out on time. Why don't you just talk me through the other um, components and the other things that are hard problems to solve for that are part of this like supply chain equation. Yeah. So I tend to, and it's probably the entrepreneur in me, 
I tend, I'm trying to shut off whatever is beep, but I have no idea what in this room is beeping. Um, so I tend to be very much start with the end in mind, right? And, and this is probably why I argue with a lot of 3PL people. I'm actually finally after 12 years starting to like get in the groups, you know, like the old dog groups where they're like, maybe this guy knows something, you know? Um, and I would say that everything that those folks talk about in traditional 3PLs are just, it's just shipping and margins and it's just so futile, you know? I mean, it's like, you don't really control it. It's UPS. And I mean, you need to be sharp on it, but it's such a obvious dumb thing to focus on. It's like red ocean, right? Um, so I tell, I really work with brands to focus on like, it sounds cliche, but like, what problem are you solving? Like, and for whom, right? Like, why why are you selling this um, dog birthday cake, whatever it is, right? Like, what does it solve for whom, right? Okay, now work your way backwards. Where is this going to be? You know, it's if you hit the goal and you are the brand and everybody knows you as like the celebration for dogs brand or whatever, I'm just making this up as I go. Um, where, where are those shoppers going to be? Are they going to be in Target? Like, are you going to have to be in Target maybe faster than you think? Um, you know, because if you get five stars on Amazon for, you know, a couple of years and you get X amount, like those those big retailers will be docking. So, like, is the system ready to go if you got to go to Target? Okay, now work your way backwards. How did you get into Target? And we kind of go through a loose exercise. And really, I think what we find is brands are so focused on, you know, I got this one item. And how can I get this into my customer's hand as cheap as possible? Because you know what, Paul, I've done the marketing. I've done the fight. I've figured out all this. And you're just exhausted by the time it gets to that point. And it's just, you think you're going to analyze it, but it ends up being like, dude, let's just do it ourselves. Get it out. Like whatever. Right. And what I see people do is there's a few levers, right? And a lot of it is software stacks that you're using. And are those things going to allow you, for example, Shopify plus, um, I'll give them a shout out because, you know, it's about the only company that will do it the way you need it. Recharge. I know I'm going to get a lot of people to say, but boop. I have no problem saying this. Bulu made Recharge with subscription because we were, we were kicking out so many those features we needed. We built our own WMS for big brands. So like what I would be thinking about is what are softwares that I can use? Forget the price. Just try to get that out of your mind. And as I grow and I find out, oh man, it's not one of these bottles. It's actually a gift set of tasting bottles that are a three month gift to somebody around January. Cause it's a healthy product. Um, or, you know, actually the dog birthday cake, we're selling to veterinarians. How the hell do you deliver to them, right? So I would be looking at platforms, to be quite honest, like Shopify, BigCommerce, I think those are great, right? But I would be looking at, am I going to need a loyalty system? Am, am I going to need points? If I do that, um, what system is going to allow me to talk to other systems, right? Okay, if, I'm, if I want to be in Target and they say EDI compliant, what the hell am I going to say back to them? I'm on Shopify because your your meaning's over, right? Um, EDI compliance, yes, we use blah, blah, blah. 
here's Bulu's logo, call them up. Okay, cool. You got to the next step, right? Um, so I would be thinking about solving a problem. Awesome job. You got your product, but probably how you make money, how you think you're going to make money. Is it actually how you're going to make money? So you need to be flexible on those selections of, of partners, but more importantly, like softwares that you use. And I got one more rant that like, I have to, you can probably tell I can go forever. Um, I will fight anybody that will try to counter argue this. What really is logistics to me when I think about it is you have a physical representation of your product. There is also a digital representation of your product. The guts of it, the label, all of that stuff should match. I don't care where it comes from, but when it gets to me or my 3PL, it better all match up. And I actually don't care where it goes anywhere in the world, bundled subscription, Italy, you know, the local, you know, 7-Eleven, whatever it is, that data better match up all the way through. And in the unfortunate instance, which it will happen a lot, you have to take a return of a gift. You have to take a return of an individual item. You have to take return of a bulk shipment from the veterinarians. How does that data match the system and get back in? Because if you force yourself to think about that following all the way through and back, almost like an infinity loop of your physical and digital, you're kind of dangerous and can do whatever you want. And I guarantee you less than 1% of the logistics world thinks about it like that. They're thinking receiving, you know, putting away, sure, whatever, we can talk that talk any day. Let's get down to it. What are we trying to do here actually? Okay. Now, when you think about that, it will really help you think about the software selections correctly and frankly, the providers that you're using. Because really what that conversation is about is, can you scale in a manner that I don't actually know how we're going to scale yet? And when you look at it that way, it's, it's a damn software problem. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm sitting here like, we sold this software. My friend's like, what are you doing in logistics? I'm like, oh, y'all don't know. Have fun with your bar app or, you know, whatever API, whatever headless AI, knock yourselves out. When that shit needs to like get to where it's got to go, we'll be all right. Like, yeah, you know, you know, so it's, it's fun for me because we snipped this out like years and years ago. Of, oh, we're just going to wait for this where everybody's tapped everything and they go, well, I guess we got to look at logistics now. So absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think my, my favorite point that you made there is it's not it's not a one size fits all solution. It's more like you have to understand what's what's your problem. There's certain products that might sell better, you know, like in a target than they would online, right? Like this, I see this a lot in beverage, right? Where, you know, everyone's like, oh, I have, I'm starting a beverage. Let me go D to C. It's like, is that really the first place you want to launch? Or do you want to use that to complement what your retail strategy is? So I think it's very product dependent and also problem dependent. What's the problem that you're looking to solve? Okay, now we know that problem. Now we can understand the best place to spend your money on inventory and on setting up your supply chain to maximize the profits for it. So given that, why don't we, let's just for the sake of argument, because you you have had a ton of experience with it. Let's talk about the supplement space, right? Supplements, oftentimes they are 
um, subscription-based because they're good to take uh, frequently. They are lightweight to ship, um, and you know they can both they can be sold both subscription via direct as well as retail, right? So if you're just talking about a generic supplements brand, getting that off the ground, what's your kind of dream tech stock almost, if you will, tech slash operational stack? Because I think what you said makes so much sense because you're like, there's all these considerations. And one thing that I'm instantly thinking, it's like, if you're launching a brand, you don't want to end up on the wrong stock where the data isn't talking to each other the right way. And you're like, ah, shit, now I need to swap everything out while you've got this flywheel already spinning, right? Yep. It's probably going to look something like Shopify, Recharge, Stripe in the beginning, and I'm I'm a fanboy of Extensive. Um, I don't know if y'all talk much about Extensive.com, but I'm a believer. Um, I am, full disclosure, I, I because I was so into it, I'm uh, part of their so, like software product development team, not paid, just I wanted to build what they built. And I literally, I, I used to talk to Toby at Shopify in our early days. He did a little bit better than I did. Um, and I just kind of, there's a, been a few softwares where we're using the piss out of them. And you're asking, I'm the dude that picks up the phone and just calls or a product development team will call me and go, why are you using this thing this way? Um, that's like story, story of my life. And, um, when I saw what Extensive was doing and I saw their kind of first couple acquisitions and moves, I was like, oh, they're doing the thing. And so I bumped into the CEO at a conference. And I was not letting him buy me. <laughs> I did. I was like, no, you need to stop. So, so yeah. I, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what it does? So they're kind of like an omni-channel solution, but like, yeah. how, do, how, how does it work? Like, what is it? Yeah. So um, I would say, so you have your, your WMS, your IMS, your, your whatever. Here's the way to think about extensive. Um, if you connect it correctly, APIs to Shopify, um, they are a little bit more quietly than I than I would say, but they are quietly owning all of the distribution channels. So you need TikTok, you need uh, retail, you need bulk. Um, so that's amazing because like, you know, they acquired like fishbowl. Um, I can't think of all of them off the top, three PL central fishbowl. There was three other ones. Um, so we were, you know, thinking about three PL central, then we saw their plans and vision and we're like, Oh, we're, we're in. Um, and so what I would say is extensive. If, if Shopify is what you're using for the user and they see the front end and you see the back end, really what extensive is, is that's for the logistics people and you get a portal and you see something, but then it's for all of the backend inventory, et cetera, et cetera. And you can just cleanly connect to like Walmart. You can cleanly connect to other stuff from a logistics point of view. Right. Now, if you're talking the actual product itself, that's product information management, soft, PIM software, that's like a nerdy whole other podcast. Um, so I would say that I'm a big fan of extensive because not only that, but what they're doing and it's available now is they're networking three PLs. So yes, there's ship Bob that we did not sign up for on purpose and deliver. And there were all these people that came with marketplaces because number one, I didn't understand how like, man, I'm not going to make friends after this podcast. <laughs> I didn't understand how like 
these MIT, and I'm not tossing shade, but I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. Like, I didn't get how like a software engineer from MIT or whatever is going to have any clue how to make it work for somebody on the floor. And the fact that they were coming after us or like whatever it was, um, and they're like, sign up for the platform. And I'm like, my simple thinking was like, you know, sometimes you get bad Uber drivers, but you just report it. If you use that software and you get a bad 3PL, you're screwed. Like they're sitting on your baby, you know? And I like what usually becomes an issue if you don't track the data on the product, it's an inventory problem because you don't know where it's at. You don't know where it's distributed. So that scared us enough to not join the platform with extensive, they are thoroughly vetting people. I mean, we get calls when, when three PLs are connected, they will guide the call. They will call us. They'll be like, Hey, this is Joe, Paul, Joe. Okay. Let's like talk about how the East coast can do your bulk fulfillment. And then Bulu can do this. And I'm, that was what sold me. And all those other places are now scrambling to build their own fulfillment facilities, which is going to be a disaster. Heads up VCs. It's a disaster. Um, but extensive has committed to, they want nothing to do with the fulfillment companies. And as a proof point through some acquisitions, they had some fulfillment, but they got rid of the three PLs because they understand the customer is either the three PL or brands can use it. And that's the beauty is like, as a brand, you could start on their platform and grow and then go like, Ooh, actually I need to move this to a three PL like that. Cause we're all using the same platform. Or if you wanted to ship special gifts, special, whatever, but you wanted a fulfillment company that was on the extensive WMS network, then you can send them work. Right. And that's the beauty of that system. And that's frankly what I wanted to build for a very long time. And they got the right people, the right money, the right everything. So it's, it's gross how much I talk about them, but I'm like, no, this is the thing that is the trigger point. And one last thing on them, there was a recent conference and it was for three PLs. And as I talked with them, because I was one of the speakers, it was like this undertone of three PLs need to start working together. And the fact that they said that because this industry is ruthless and three PLs will do whatever they can do to take business from another one. And I hate that. I'm a rising tide raises all boats sort of person. And to get on stage and just be like, this is stupid. Why are we working together? We're all dead unless we work together because of all the other things popping up. And just to prove it to you, whoever's in the audience now, come to Lincoln, Nebraska. I'll teach you e-commerce on it. And hand shot up. And that was three weeks ago. And we've had two, three PLs come into our facility and we literally taught them e-commerce and they went, how about this? You do the e-commerce, we'll do the bulk shipping. And that just has never happened before. And I'm like, they understand what they have to do, how they have to do it. And we have two or three clients now where they have retail facilities, they've converted to um, extensive, and then we're doing a lot of shipments, but they're actually taking returns back to the store, which is a super clean, easy way to do reverse logistics. So yeah, I, I need to shut up about them or get paid, but... <laughs> No, I love that. And it it's really cool because it sounds like they're a solution that you can kind of get set up on. And like you were saying, when the 
the load gets to too much and you're like, okay, now I need someone to take this entire process off my plate, oversee it and run it and really juice and scale it up, then it makes a really smooth transition, right? So it it makes that onboarding and um, you know flow a lot easier, especially as as a brand, you may be looking to sell in a, mon- a bunch of different platforms and markets. You may be looking to go omni-channel, but you m- may be like, well, I'm worried about my brand. I'm trying to create that. And how do I get into retail? How do I get, how do I manage all my orders that are I'm coming yeah. in D to C? Um, that's really cool. And so why don't you tell me a little bit more about now your process, right? With, with Bulu. So the brands that you're working with, what is it exactly that you're taking on for them? What responsibilities are you taking on? And um, yeah, like what do you, what do you make happen for the brand? Yeah. So maybe I'll just take a few recent things that we're doing. Um, and that'll be a good, good example of it. Um, so we recently had a large pet brand, um, that didn't sell anything e-commerce, but they have a massive following, massive everything. Right. Um, I get a phone call from a person, from a person, from a person. They're like, we hear you're, you're the you and Stephanie, that's my co-founder, which people will very quickly see. She is the brains of the operation. She was a children's game designer for Pixar and Leapfrog. And when you have that brain looking at user interface of a warehouse floor, that's the secret, right? Um, but they they called us up and they said, you know, hey, we want to monetize this. We want, and they kind of said, you know, here's what we want to do. And we said, yeah, like you have bigger problems because your current systems where you sell, I'm just going to say memberships is what it is. It's not that, but I want to be respectful of them. Um, the, the current place where you sell your memberships, here's your app, here's your e-commerce or your membership system. And then here's kind of boots on the floor. So none of these systems talk to each other. So before we ever talk anything, selling in the store, e-commerce, et cetera, this is what needs to be fixed. This is the price that we'll do it for. If you don't want to do it with us, we have partners that will do it. I think we went back and forth for three months. They started dragging my ass into board meetings and we did, we literally refused to do it. And um, actually it was last night, I got a call pretty late and the brand said, Hey, we just want to apologize. We know we burned all of your time. Like, da, da, da. like we, we went and got two other consultants. Both of them said, you're right. And, um, it's not a focus of ours and we're not ready to put that sort of money into it. And I was like, cool. And they're like, really? And I was like, yeah, man. Like I knew it was the kiss of death. If we would have just went and found new products, white labeled them, manufactured them, put them in and sold them. I'm just looking at my watch until there's an inventory problem and you're screaming at me. So why would I not want to get that fixed in the beginning? So that's a good example of one brand. Another brand, um, I would say a, a lot of like actually what we're doing now is if there is a brand that has a flour based good like pancakes or, you know, anything with a lot of flour in it, um, coffee, anybody that's making coffee, um, candles, kind of the usual specifics, vitamins and supplements is huge. Over the years, we've just developed enough relationships where we are literally getting those manufactured in Nebraska. The trucks are driving over, not like carrier or freight or anything, but like the trucks from the company. And we have invested in some labeling, et cetera, um, products 
uh, and we're talking to these people that have large followings or that already have the product. And we just say, look, um, long table pancakes on Shark Tank couldn't keep up. Um, you know, we heard through the grapevine, we gave them a ring. We said, look, we think we know what's going on. We already have the pancake place that can manufacture it, you know, co-packing. Um, and if you sell your pancakes, two bags, not just one bag, because you can hit this shipping rate. Also, we know three to five, we know you want two day, but hear us out. Three to five day, we can hit 94.8% of the US in three days and you save X amount. So without ever even talking to you, we're pretty sure that we can save you about $4, which usually you say, Paul, you're crazy, go away, or, you know, Luke, you're crazy, or whoever is talking to you, right? Um, but if you are know the background of our company, or if you're just in a place where everything doesn't work, those are the things that we'll fix for people, right? Um, also, we will have very traditional, everyday, somebody has an individual product, and I almost just fast forward the conversation, and I say, look, here's ship Bob ears deliver. I recommend you really go vet those out. Here's the pros and cons. Um, here's what we do. Um, we will work with you. We'll, we, I would say the biggest way to describe what we do is we're agnostic. We don't care where the packaging comes from. If you need help with it, we'll do it. We'll mark it up 10%. We don't care where the product comes from. If you want us to manage it, we're going to mark it up 10%, right? But usually once you get from kind of the formula, we always say like creation to consumption. If you get your hands on that in our position, you're just going to be saving people a little bit of money in all places. And that adds up. And those are, those are by far like our favorite clients that we work with. Right. No, absolutely. And, and Paul, as we, uh, as we wrap up here, are there any other like tips that you'd have for some I'm sure you've seen time and time again um, brands that like make big mistakes that you are either able to clean up or fix. Like you've seen this a million different times. Uh, I'd love if you're able to like shout out like some of the biggest mistakes that you see brands making that uh, could save them just like massive amount of headache. Yeah, I would say the biggest mistake I see is people think they have like I got a guy or woman, whatever, human, whatever we say nowadays. Um and they believe it, right? They believe like, oh, I got, a, I got a logistics guy or, oh, I got a, like, you know, I got a packaging person or whatever. And they don't go get three to seven quotes, right? And they don't understand that maybe their person truly believes they're getting them the cheapest lids for their product, right? But what that person doesn't understand is that there's different machinery out there, Right. And somebody might do a better lid faster at a fraction of the price. Um, do y'all talk about Import Yeti? Uh, yeah, a little bit. You wanna you wanna tell us about it? Import Yeti, if I understand it correctly, I, I remember following the Reddit thread from day one. Um, I believe what they did was they created automated FOIA requests that send and by law. Um, companies have to provide where they get all of their stuff. So I really think it's wise to find a similar product to what you're selling, go to Import Yeti. I think you get a few searches for free or whatever. Figure out where the stuff is coming from. Call up that place 
and tell them, you know, you, you can t say who you are, you can make it up. It doesn't matter, but try to reverse engineer what they're paying per lid per whatever. Um, that is probably the number one thing I see is people think they got a lock on something and it's just not the truth and they haven't done their homework. Um, I would say the second thing is that people just look at the obvious things. Number one question I get is how much do boxes cost with you? The second question, I'm talking 10 years, like those dwarf everything else. Um, how much is the box? And then the second one is how much is shipping? And nowadays that's almost like a signal to me of like that they're thinking about the wrong things. Now we will still talk to people, but if we can't get their focus on the things that matter, for example, dude, yeah, you love your label. It's fantastic. You are killing yourself trying to get that extra 10 cents, unless it is crucial to the brand and the brand essence and that they need to learn to like, let some of those things go. Right. And so I think that people, the biggest, the second biggest mistake is they focus on what's obvious and I don't care how slick, how smart you are, et cetera. Like you're going to follow down the same paths that people on my side have seen a million times over and the, the sharks are waiting for you. Right. Um, and I think the third thing is like, it's so simple. Nobody picks up the phone. Nobody shows up. Nobody knocks on a door. Um, we, we were struggling to find a 25,000 square foot warehouse. And I was irate at our team. And I said, I'm just going to go do it myself. I literally drove around Lincoln and Omaha and I found a little old man doing concrete and I get out of my car and I'm like, Hey man, I know you probably don't know, but here's what I'm looking for. And if you're laying the foundation on this thing, you got to know like people, right? It turns out it was his building and I rented it there on the spot, got a sweetheart deal because he was thrilled. And he told me, I mean, you could just see it on his face. Like he's like, we'll have this up in three months. No problem. And I went and I checked on him, even though I said verbally, yes, I did my homework. And like, it was like a match made in heaven. Now, and even when we needed to get out and go to a bigger warehouse, because that relationship had been established and he related to me as an entrepreneur, it's a different game. So if there's one thing that I see people forgetting to do is pick up the phone, go see him. I don't care if it's HubSpot, if it's Salesforce, if it's extensive, before you rack your brain for days and weeks and throw money and try Zapier and try all that other stuff, dude, just go to LinkedIn and call somebody on the product team at extensive and just go like, I'm trying to do this thing because the amount of times that somebody goes, well, we can light up that feature for you, but it's not ready, but whatever. You're like, oh, yep, give it to me. And that, that it's like not even a lost art. It's just, it's gross to do, but if you can get over your shit and just go hammer the ground, pick up the phone, it's different. And all I got to say is on that part to wrap it up is like, put yourselves in your, their shoes, right? If you never hear about somebody using your software, if you never hear about somebody printing labels and it's just a job ticket that comes through and you mess it up, you're going to be like, oh, that was more hours on that thing. Now, had you gone to that warehouse and met Mace, had you gone to that software company and talked, and, and talked to John, 
it's going to be different because they just might see that it's you and remember and go like, man, he's a good dude, man. He's just trying to make it happen. Like whatever, like let's, let's, let's take care of this guy. Like I, I know this guy, let's, let's figure it out. And those couple of simple things, honestly, I can say if you're going to play the long ball, that's what's going to actually matter in like three to five years. And I could do all the other flashy things that everybody else says, but I'm telling you, man, those are the things that really, really change the dial long term. I love that. Um, and I think that's it's something that the advice seems so obvious, but a lot of people just totally, totally whiff on it or miss it or forget it. So um, I think that's awesome. So Paul, want to thank you for coming on the show today. We covered a lot. Uh, you dropped a ton of knowledge. Uh, for, oh no! We'll, and we'll have to do this again. But for anyone who's listening, where can where can we connect with you um, personally and professionally? I, I don't know. Are you on LinkedIn, Twitter? Like, where do we find you and more about you and Bulu? Yeah. So website's bulugroup.com. Um, you, I would say the best value there is just use the pricing calculator. And even if you don't talk to me, um, if you scroll down, there's a fine print. You can download our rate sheet. Um, so whoever you talk to. You're going to be armed with like a calculator and whatever. And that is not the cheapest deal calculator. That is actually like all in all the fees that none of the other three PLs are telling you about. They're built into that. So it's about as close to a real number as you can get. Right. Um, so I think that's really valuable there. Um, and then I do, it sounds pretentious. There's pauljared.com, but I'd say like, if you're like serious and you're trying to figure it out, um, it's just Paul at Bulu group. And don't be upset if I don't get it to it right away. Um, I will do my best. I usually always get back to people. Also, because I'm on a podcast, because I love the podcast, because I want to be part of it, if you drop an emoji in the subject line, I tend to get to those a little bit quicker. I love that. Uh, thanks so much, Paul. Thanks, Blaine. Appreciate it, man. Thanks to the... Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.